Today's episode of the Mets Up Podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. First off, that's huge. And that's what we use here on the Mets Up Podcast. I highly suggest it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming services. And you're allowed to make money from your podcast from day one with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So make sure you guys download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, so welcome back to episode, what is this? We're on five now, I think? Episode number five of the Mets Up Podcast. Podcast. First one done with me and James in person. As you can see, we got James in the office, the Giraffe Neck Mark headquarters out here doing Messed Up Podcast episode number five. We've got a lot to talk about in today's episode, as always. An interesting series with the Marlins, to say the least. But before we do get going into it, let's just talk about where you can find us. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and you can watch us on YouTube, Messed Up Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, all the social media as well, at Messed Up. James. Just just really weird series against the Marlins. Yeah. Before we do start, I want to point out that Mark's office is my former bedroom as a peek behind the curtain. So while it may look small, it is also that small. Yes. No, it's, it's, a, it's a little tiny here. It's a little close quarters. And this is our first time trying out doing it live in person with each other because you guys, if you've been watching it on YouTube, know that we've been doing this through Zoom. But for those of you who have only been listening to it, it's probably sounded pretty good. The audio has never really been an issue. Yeah, definitely exactly the same. Yeah, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound great today. So we're here together. We went to the Mets game yesterday. We watched, obviously, Mets game home opener. Mm-hmm. There's so much to talk about with this Mets team. Kind of continuing on the last episode, not a lot of great going on right now. Uh, things just don't really feel very right with the Mets right now. Their starting pitching has been a bright spot. The bullpen's been okay, and the lineup has been bad, which honestly kind of is the opposite of what we thought was going to happen when we are talking preseason. Yeah, definitely. I just like the pitching. I mean, Taiwan Walker looked fantastic real quick. We're going to go into these stuff, into this stuff a lot more deeper, but like Walker and DeGrom obviously looked really good. Amazing. A really, really solid. So that's like, that's a positive. That's a really good thing to take out of it. But as you said, the hitting has been abysmal. Awful. Uh What's the word that we used last week to talk about the Marlins? Anemic. Anemic, yeah. The Mets The Mets have been anemic. Mets have been anemic. It's just been, so, it's so frustrating. Like, even the at-bats we're taking, and these are games that we should be winning, and we did get one win, so it's not Especially the end of the like world. Especially, like, in advantageous offensive situations. Like, there were multiple times in the first two games where there were men on, men in scoring position, less than two outs, and the Mets just aren't doing the small fundamental things right, like moving runners over, driving people home that need to become home. It's just, it's... It's, I don't know, it's not awe-inspiring. And I feel like these are things that we've seen Mets teams in the past, like you can go to 2019, 2018 even, where, especially like when Chili Davis came around the first time, the Mets were driving runners in with runners in scoring position. They were hitting situationally, like playing just good baseball. And right now, the Mets are just simply not playing good baseball outside of their starting pitching department. None. There were two instances in yesterday's game where the Mets had a runner on first and third, nobody out, and scored zero runs. That's unheard of. Can't happen. No. That physically cannot happen, especially against the Marlins. And we had chances against the relievers, too. And Tons. We left so many guys on base, and it feels like that's like always a big thing for the Mets is runners in scoring position, men left on base. And I think we saw a stat on the home opener that at some point they were six for their last 29 or yeah. six for 30. I think we may have even referenced that last episode. Yeah. They left like 30 men on base or something in three games. And I'm trying to even think the game against the Marlins that we won – when we scored our runs, was there, besides, I guess, Guillaume and Nimmo well, no, well, in the last inning? I guess then we should just start there with the last inning from Thursday night. Because that is, yeah. that is quite, that's quite the hot topic around Major League Baseball because Michael Conforto, that elbow, man. But again, 
what got lost in the fold of con- all the craziness around Conforto and just the chaos of the entire inning was Jeff McNeil's clutch home run. Yes. A moonshot yeah. to start the ninth inning for a guy who has been not been able to get off the schneid all season. He hadn't had a hit yet before that home run. I think he still doesn't have another hit. Yeah, I don't, I don't I think, think Jeff's really putting the ball in play right now. Yeah, but that was incredibly clutch off a not-so-great reliever, but it doesn't change the fact that McNeil tied the game and Saved the Mets' first week of the season, more or less. Birthday boy, too. Yeah, birthday, birthday boy, 29. And the bat flip was incredible. Yeah. I mean, like, he hit it. He Shucked hit, it. He crushed it. So he knew that ball was gone. He turned around, flipped it. He was pumped. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I thought, like, I really did think that was going to wake up the Mets, even if they did lose that game. Like, especially with what happened with Guillaume getting a hit and then Nimmo getting a hit. Like, I was like, okay, maybe that's what they needed. A little bit of a spark to get this team going. And then, of course, we can't not talk about the ninth inning without talking about what happened to Conforto. Yeah, definitely. Which... I've never seen before. I, no, I've never, I've never seen, seen anything like that in my life, honestly. Being at the game made it a little bit confusing. I was standing in center field near the seven line, just watching in standing room, which, and you couldn't really see that well what happened. It looked like a strike on the straightaway view, and the umpire originally called him out. So I actually like turned around, I sulked, and I like sat down on the chains that like separate like the uh, the handicap section over there. And then I was with my dad, and he like tapped me on the back. He's like, no, look, look, it hit him, it hit him. I was like, what, really? Are you serious? It wasn't until being on the train after the game, and I was able to go on my phone and look at Twitter and see slow motion replays and listen to Gary, Keith, and Ron's takes that I really understood the full breadth of what had happened. Yeah, I mean, just to talk on Gary, Keith, and Ron real quick, what other team's announcers would have been so vehemently (laughs) against the ending? A win. A win. They were like so (laughs) upset that the Mets won that way. Oh, uh... Gary less so, and Ron less so these days, but Keith still more so. Those guys are like students of the old school of the game. They love baseball the way it is. Not the way it is, the way it was. And they don't really like to see the sport they love tarnished in any way. And they did not mince their words, and they believed that what Conforto did was Bush League. Not to use a derogatory statement. I mean, baseball terms, Bush League, that's that's pretty serious. Yeah, no, it was definitely Bush League. But like also at the same time, like... Okay, I mean, I would have rather had Conforto swing at the bat, swing the ball, try to put the ball in play. Oh, with the love that with one out. Yeah, it was a perfectly yeah. hittable pitch. It was a strike, like we said. Like the pitch was literally in the strike zone by a good margin. There were other hittable pitches that at bat. Yeah, it like, was, yeah, his at bats have been horrendous. Anthony Bass is not scaring anybody. He there's no reason for him to even be the Marlins closer. He scares Marlins fans. That's about it. He's a mediocre closer at best. And there were other guys that inning again hitting the ball like McNeil crushed one. Uh, VR, not VR. Diorme had a nice dribbler. ball in play, but he still put the bat in the ball, beat that single, and then... Nimmo hit the double down the line. That was that inning? Yeah, was, that was the same yeah, inning. There you go. Moved it to second and third. So, yeah, Conforto, I mean, especially, but, like, he's not a Bush League player by any means. That's, like, the no, first time this isn't, ever. This isn't, there's no history of Michael Conforto doing weird things like this. If it was VR, people would have had more things to say. Conforto's always been, like, a stand-up, reserved, regular guy. guy. He just plays yeah. the game the right way, pretty much. And I don't know if what he did was necessarily on purpose or if it was like a reflex or it was a it was a weird pitch in a weird spot like you don't really see high sliders that move that much no it moved so much because it started off really down the middle and it did have a lot of late break but like even him talking about after the game he's like you know like I, i just turned i thought it was coming in i was turning like getting out of the way and I mean, he knows what happened. No, he's not f- dumb. And for a team that gets plunked, he's not one of the guys who gets plunked. No, it's always McNeil yeah. and Nimmo. And, like, we want to talk about, because people were complaining on Twitter all throughout the game. And Marlins fans are right. Marlins ha- fans have every right to complain about that Definitely. loss. That one stunk. Yes. But I see people on Twitter, you know, fans of other teams complaining about this. And it's like, okay, well, Anthony Rizzo for the Cubs does every single time. I think you told me about Victor Robles. Yeah, apparently this was a stat I saw on Twitter. Howie Rose may have mentioned it after the game. But there have been 12 instances since 2008 
of a player being hit by a pitch in the strike zone. And Victor Robles has three of them in only like 200 career games. That's crazy. Like, and I saw some highlights too. You even talk about uh, Jose Tabata against the against Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer wow. throw a perfect game. That was a crazy deep track from Mark. I got to give a shout out to the editor of my YouTube channel, Jackson, for that one because I didn't even mention it in my video talking about Conforto getting hit by on the elbow. And during like the editing process, like I'm gonna throw in the Jose Tabata thing. I'm like, oh my god. I forgot about that. And that's way worse. He blew a perfect game. And that pitch was a strike as well. This was exasperated because it was the bases loaded in a tie game in the ninth inning. If Mike Conforto would have been hit by a pitch in the strike zone with the bases loaded, even in the sixth inning or the seventh inning, it was, there would have been much less hoopla. It would have been talked about as like he got hit by a strike. Because I like everyone loves to post the uh, MLB game feed from MLB.com and be like, this pitch was a yeah. strike called a ball. Yeah, this one was, he was hit by this pitch. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know. I feel like it was so pet, like, sort of. It was ridiculous. also a function of the Mets were playing the day game in their home opener. There weren't that many games on Thursday. There weren't, I think this was maybe only one other day game. Yeah. So there was like a couple hours where there was nothing even on Twitter. And this just went pew, yeah. a rocket. And like, I feel like defending the Mets here, we won. It's, yeah, it's a, a crap. Win, a win is a win. Win is a win. A win is a win. So I think Steve Cohen even tweeted out about it, right? Or something like, essentially, a win is a win. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't good. And I understand, you know, it wasn't the right way to win the game. Who really cares? I'm not the morality judge of Major League Baseball. Yeah, who, who are we, gatekeepers? Yeah, like, I'm, if the Mets are going to get another win, sign me up. Because here's what's going to happen. If this wasn't going to be the Mets winning this way, it was going to be someone else. It was going to be against the Mets. And everybody on Twitter who was calling out the Mets for being Bush and all this kind of stuff would be the first people to tweet out lol Mets. They would be the first people to jump down Mets fans' throats and be like, imagine losing this way. If this was reversed and the Marlins beat the Mets this way, the Mets would have been dragged Nonstop. Literally, the Mets win and you get made fun of. The Mets lose, you get made fun of. So we just have to keep playing. Like the butt fumble for Sanchez was like what? Not top ten, number Come one on. for like that's, three that, years. It had to be retired. That's Bush League. <laughs> it Don't it had to be up. retired. If that happened to the Mets, like I wouldn't be surprised if that was number one on Sports Center, not top ten for a couple weeks. At least. L- literally, at least. So like, spare me, please, when you're complaining and crying about the unfair win by the New York Mets because no no team's ever had an unfair win in Major League Baseball before. Especially the Mets have never had anything go their way or anything. Or have it go against them. They're just gifted by God every single time they step on the field. The Mets won a World Series one time because a ball went through a guy's legs. Like yeah. things happen in baseball. Like All this is time. not the end of the world. It was the fourth game of the season for crying out loud. The Royals won Game One of the World Series against the Mets because Yohan Cespedes dropped the ball and then it kicked eighty-five feet away from him after he missed it. Off like the, off his toe. Yeah, granted that wasn't Bush League. We don't talk about Bush League. Well, moments ago the Yankees just blew a game open because. Manuel Margot, usually a very short-handed outfielder, caught a bad hop off the heel of his glove and it bounced over his head. And, like, I get it. That's not Bush League, so that's no. probably, like, everyone's argument is like, oh, it's not Bush League. But there have been instances where there's been Bush League stuff that's influenced the game. I mean, you want to talk about Bush League, I'm going to bring it up, and it's a cursed name here, but Chase Utley breaking Ruben Tejada's leg. Talk about Bush League. That was in a playoff game. Bush League? That's a crime. Yeah. That's a criminal offense. And Chase Utley, <laughs> still, he's still walking free. Still assault. He ruined Ruben Tejada's career. At least two years of his life as well. Hasn't, hasn't really played in the major since then, but that's we're off topic now anyway. Let's get let's get back to op- the home opener and talk about Taiwan Walker. Yeah, Bush League, Mets won. Get, yeah. get mad. But Taiwan Walker is the real story here from opening day. He was back up to his pre-Tommy John surgery velocity levels. He topped out at 97. He sat 95. This was his first time touching 97 since 2017. Almost four full years since he's hit that mile per hour. And his fa- average fastball velocity had been below 94 since the 2017 season. 
So that alone tells me, especially the way Jeremy Hefner's worked with pitchers on the staff and pitchers of the Twins, that we may have found a new gear of Taiwan Walker that people have been waiting for for what, like a decade? Like since he was a minor leaguer? Yeah, he was so highly touted. He was like always this big, strong kid. Yeah. And he always, he had a strong arm. So it's not like oh, this stuff wasn't there. It just needed to be found again Definitely. after the Tommy John surgery. Through 2015, 2016, he was regularly touching 100 miles an hour. Like this is inside of him. And now that he's developed a couple more off-speed pitches, he spent the 2019 off-season at driveline. He developed a sinker that was very good on opening day. Got no wisp, but got nine called strikes on only 17 pitches thrown, which is very impressive. These, uh, The sinker and the slider he introduced, again, last year coming off of driveline. They were great for getting ground balls, great for getting whiffs. They complemented the fastball beautifully. It gave me a lot of confidence moving forward. No, I felt really good watching him. Like Even from the first pitch of the game, he threw it right in there for a strike. Yeah. He struck out the first batter. You, ho- you heard the crowd roar at City. Dude, those first two batters were electric yeah you heard it roar like I was shocked at how loud it was and I think it's like when you get a guy out there especially like who's a new player in the home opener after a year and a half of not being in City Field the first game back he started off absolutely perfect and I thought that was going to be the story for the game is like wow we're back and this was going to be the new leaf on the 2021 season which is crazy to say by the way five games into it but we didn't have a great series against the Phillies, and I thought this was getting us on the right step, in the right direction, on a good foot, because he really did look so sharp. I was so excited with what I saw from him. He looks like he could legitimately be a foundational piece of this rotation. The fact that we signed him in February, after missing out on a couple of players who will not be named, like it's, it gives a lot of confidence. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling really good about him, especially like if, we, let's say, Carrasco. I don't, we still don't really know when he's back, right? No, and I think it's... It would behoove us to just take our time. Yeah, no, of course. Just There's no your, reason to yeah, rush. Just keep your head above water. Especially if a guy like Walker is going to pitch this well. Yeah. Because it, that gives you the luxury then of you don't need to rush him back. You also then don't need to rush Cindergaard back. We want these guys back no, as yeah. soon as possible. But there's no rush. But there's no rush. No rush. Because we're not in a scenario where it's like we need pitching. Yeah. We have three legitimately strong starting pitchers right now in DeGrom, Stroman, and Walker. Mm-hmm. We got more guys coming in the arsenal. Lucchese looked decent the other day, filling in. Looked okay. Peterson struggled at the start, but did good. Like, I think Walker is going to be a huge catalyst in this rotation, and being able to see him start that strong in his first appearance looked really good. It's a really positive sign. And, of course, we should mention the Marlins' offense is not good. Bad. Bad. So you need to do this against a team like the Marlins. And then we'll see next week. He's probably lined up to pitch. He's not lined up in the Philly series. He'll pitch the weekend. Yeah, he'll, well, let's see. Today was Stroman, yeah. so that leaves... Us tomorrow would be... Tomorrow's going to be Peterson. Peterson. And then Walker. He's pitching against the Phillies on Tuesday night. So I think Walker is going to pitch Tuesday, which I'll be at that game. Woo. Get to see Taiwan Walker pitch. Hopefully not like yesterday's game. But yeah, Tyler Walker looks really good. I'm really excited with that. He was a guy that I don't think I was nervous about, but we really didn't know what we were getting. Yeah. Because there's a lot of good stuff on like the periphery. Periphery? Is that the right word? Peripheral? 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 The sides of your vision. Yeah. Whatever they're called. His peripherals are really good. Things we couldn't see clearly. Yeah. His peripherals were really good. But like sometimes the performance or the statistics on the field like just didn't show. Like he had some high ERAs a point. Gave up. He had some bad innings. Like that's just going to happen for a guy coming back from Tommy John. Took years. He wasn't right. Yeah. And it looks like we're starting to at least get him in the right direction of looking right. And that opening day start on, or the home opener start is a really good way to get going in his Mets career. And then who came in relief after him? Because we it was a solid game. No, it was Castro, May, Diaz. Yeah, and Castro looked sick again. Sick. Amazing. Looked sick again. And May, look, everything was clicking for him too. 
Which is that's May you're expecting. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like his fastball, fastball slither. Zipping. And he wasn't throwing the changeup. I've noticed when he's throwing his changeup, that's a bad sign. He was throwing his changeup a lot in the game that he wasn't pitching well. And what do you know? I'm telling you, I really think that it had to do something with the weather those nights in Philadelphia. Because Thursday was a nice warm afternoon. Beautiful. It was a beautiful day to watch a ball game. But those evenings in Philly were cold. It was probably much more difficult for him to grip the slider. So that's probably why he was focusing on the changeup, which, again, that's his tertiary pitch. It's okay, but it's not the slider. No, it's not an out pitch by any means. It's a get me over, maybe steal a strike. Hopefully you are just not anticipating it. But those two outings also from Castro and Diaz, two guys who can be a little bit erratic sometimes, not throw strikes. Castro was peppering the zone. He was not afraid of anybody. And that's the Castro that we need to see because last year when we got him, he was a little all over the place, like you said, erratic. And that's always been his big issue is his control. Because then I remember watching him as as an Orioles pitcher pitch against the Yankees. It felt like this dude was always 3-0 on people and then had to throw a fastball right down the middle. And when you're a professional hitter, knowing that a fastball is coming, you're going to hit it pretty far. But now when he's getting ahead in the count, that 101 fastball plus the slider plus all these other pitches that he's been throwing has really been solid for him. It's helped him out so much. No, definitely. For four running years, Castro had a walk rate over 10%, which you cannot have as any pitcher, especially a reliever. And he is still yet to walk a batter this season. That's really good. Which is really That's impressive. so impressive. Really impressive. What, three, four innings? How many innings does he have now? I think three or four, somewhere in that range. He's pitching three games, which it seems like, yeah, three innings. It seems like he's going to be one of the horses in this bullpen. Rojas seems to really, really trust him. Which, if he's throwing like that, I do too. Yeah, until he gives us a reason this year not to trust him. Keep throwing him out there every day in the seventh inning, especially because we don't have Lugo yet, and we don't really know when he's coming back either. No idea. It's really good to see Miguel Castro step up. It was really good to see Trevor May have a solid outing off of a bad one. And it was really good to see Edwin Diaz finally get in the game. Which yeah, I, but now that tie has changed a little bit. Now, uh, Yeah, but I don't know. I, no, Diaz... I still love Diaz. Yeah, no, of course. And I'm still always on the fence with Edwin Diaz, but... <laughs> I guess this is a great time now to segue to you. We've been talking about the pitching a lot because we're looking for positives. And that's the only positive. And we're procrastinating talking about the negatives, which is the Mets offense. Yeah, it's so bad right now. Like, this is... It's five games, so whatever. They're not going to hit like this. Like, there are people... I think you said we're talking on Twitter about, like, some of the worst offenses in the league. Yeah. And we're including the Mets, and it's like, yeah. you've clearly never watched a game of baseball. You're strictly looking at the five games that they've played. And even then, like, there's still way worse teams offensively, which is somehow crazy to even talk about. The Tigers just had 13 hits in three games. Yeah. I mean, the Mets, Mets were on pace for that probably in this series right now. But, yeah, the offense has been anemic, abysmal. Uh, atrocious. Atrocious. Laughing stock. Yeah. Um, abhorrent. Is abhorrent. That a, is that's, that a, that's a great one. Yeah. SAT word. There that's it is. SAT word for the podcast episode. We always got to drop one for you. Everyone at the plate looks super uncomfortable except for about two guys. Three guys. Brandon Nimmo. Yes. Dom Smith. Yeah. He's he's hitting the ball hard. Yeah, he has. He's making some loud outs. He had the hardest ball in play yesterday. It's true. And uh, Jacob DeGrom, who's a pitcher for us. <laughs> so whenever you include your three best hitters for the season right now, and one's a pitcher who's only had two I, games he's I played in. I would say Guillaume, too. He's had some good at-bats when he's been on That's the field. That's true. He has. He, yeah. yeah, he hasn't just really he's got dr- a He's shot. drawn a couple walks. He had that infield single, started the round. And I think he had a couple hits against... Uh, the Phillies, the other game where we got smacked too. But as of when we sit here right now on Sunday, April 11th, Jacob DeGrom has the highest WRC plus on the Mets. Yeah, it's a problem. That's terrifying. I, and it's not even like, I don't know what his WRC plus is. It it's doesn't like, matter. It's like in the 200s. He only has five at best. Yeah. But regardless, whatever it is, doesn't matter. If your pitcher has the highest WRC plus for you, you are doing something wrong. It's not a positive. It's a negative. Do you want me to tell you what really made me irate yesterday? I would love to hear it. When DeGrom had the leadoff single... He got to second base somehow. Maybe there was a walk, or Nimmo might have, might have walked after him. I think he did. got a base hit. And then, who had the fly ball? Lindor hit the fly ball oh. to center. Yes, yes. And DeGrom, 
he had the wherewithal, freaking baseball player. Who wants the DH? He tagged up from second base. He his sprint speed. Sarah Lang tweeted this out. Sarah Lang, elite statistician, who big part, big part. Of, she's she's a Met person, right? I'm not sure. I've only seen the name. I'm not too familiar with her. The radio broadcast. Howie Rose talks about her all the time. She's so got to she, be a Met. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, you'll only like her if she's a Met, a yeah. Met person. But her his sprint speed clocked from second to third was higher than the average sprint speed in Major League Baseball. I mean, he's got those long ass legs. He's a freaking dude. athlete, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's such a freak. And we were me and James were at the game yesterday, yeah. uh, courtesy of Jeff McNeil. Thank you for the tickets. Yeah, you dropping the cloud there. Big cloud. Love you, um, Jeff. So yeah, we saw him go back to second base, and James looks at me like he's gonna tag for third. He's going to tag up to third. He I was did it and so like, happy. You got, you got out of your chair. You're like, let's go. That's baseball right there. It is baseball. It's baseball. That's making a play. If anybody's on second base in a game where your team can't score and the other starting pitcher has his shit working, which we'll get to more Trevor Rodgers, but he had his shit working. He looked really good. Like you have to do little things like that to put yourself in position to score a run. And then Michael Conforto came up with one out and first and third. And he struck out in like four pitches. Yeah, he's... He couldn't he, catch up. We talked about it last week or last episode, how he lost. He looked at the plate. It's gotten significantly Lost. worse. He I mean, did he put a ball in play this series? He did. The, oh yeah, the double play in the seventh inning when the Mets had first and third and one out in the Marlins game, and he like got jammed on it too. Like yeah. his swing is against like, like Detweiler or something. Yeah, like his swing is like super sluggish right now. Keith was talking about it apparently yesterday on the broadcast. He's dropping his shoulder, pulling off. Everything's just wrong right now. And luckily, we saw Rojas dropping down the lineup for what was supposed to be our game today because he just physically can't be hitting third no, right now. And he he's going to be back at some point. He's going to be fine. I'm not Definitely, worried. Yeah, Michael Conforto, you're going to look up in three weeks. You'll be like, oh, he has he has eight home runs. He's hitting 260. That's yeah. weird. He's going to be fine. But right now, he's he's lost. He's seriously lost. He doesn't know what's going on. He 100% is just like pressing as well because he know he got booed yesterday. Which, yeah, which sucks. You hate that. I'm not a fan of... You know, Mets fans booing, especially you can't five boo, you can't games. boo anybody in April. Not in April. There, you know who you could have booed if it was Diaz and he still stunk. But he had another good season last year and he did get booed yesterday. Anyway, if it, yeah, a multi-year booing effort. Yes, sure. But but Michael Conforto has been one no. of our best players since he's come up as a yeah. Met. He's and earned, booed him he's earned he more a, than this because he has a fat bad five-game stretch. I just didn't like that look. But again. To play devil's advocate, he's been a single-handed rally killer. Oh, he's on multiple occasions this season. I would love to know what the number is of what his bat or runners left on base is this year because it's got to be close to twenty something. Thursday's game, he did not come up without men on base. Every single bat had men on base. It just it just feels like every time the Mets need a big hit, he's coming up. And normally, I would have loved that because in the past he has been so clutch and has been able to drive in runners in scoring position and just get the job done for the Mets. But right now, he's just not able to. And maybe it's a little bit of you know Monday morning quarterback. Maybe it's a little bit of uh, well, you know hindsight's twenty twenty. He's just he can't be hitting three right now. He dropped to what six today? I think. Yeah, he was six or seven. Six spot. The Mets also seem to seemingly not care about lefties in a row anymore. Which yeah, for, I, for from not caring at all to stacking three lefties at the bottom of the order, there's no real consistency there, which is troubling. Yeah, I, I love the idea of you know we talked about this earlier. Remember when Pilar we talked about him in the lineup and about how Rojas if he's going to stick to his you know guns is he going to stick to them? Yeah, and it seems like very quickly. Yeah, he left the guns, left them immediately. Which honestly, I'm okay with that because the guns weren't working. No, yeah, put the guns away. Yeah, put we the guns away. We don't need the guns. We don't need them. I don't know. Conforto hitting six, it's fine. That's fine, especially when you have other guys in this order who can produce. When you have a Dominic Smith and Jeff McNeil hitting between five and seven in the order, you can wiggle around. That is a luxury of having a, t- a deep team with plenty of established major league hitters. Yeah, no, this, I mean, the lineup's good. The lineup's really solid. Just nobody's hitting outside of the first guy and the last guy. It's hard to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> the lineup's good. And it's like, oh, I think, I know it is, but like, it sucks. Yeah, that's, someone's gonna be like Mets bias. If yeah. there's any non-Mets fans watching this, that like to give me crap about that. But it's not false. No, but I also have 
more of a problem with the Mets not hitting Nick Neither on Thursday than Trevor Rogers yesterday. Trevor Rogers had it going on yesterday. That's what everyone's saying is that he was no. filthy. He he had the highest CSW rate of any pitcher who pitched yesterday. Higher That's than really DeGrom's. Good. That's really good. Shout out Alex Fast for that. Yeah, CSW is called strikes and whiffs. But yeah, Trevor Rogers apparently was clicking on all cylinders. He's got good stuff. He was what sitting, did we say this? He was sitting 97? Yeah. 98? From the left side? Yeah. I understand Michael Goodfoot not being able to hit that. That's okay. Yeah. You're facing one of the nastier left-handers in the league, essentially. I'm not saying like talent-wise or what he's done in the past, but the stuff that he had yesterday... It's going to be really, really hard to hit. Yeah, it seems like a guy who's probably on the precipice of a breakout, especially the way a lot of other Marlins pitchers have taken steps in the last year. I could see a, a, a universe where Trevor Rogers is a fantastic pitcher in a few months. But that being said, I don't care how good Trevor Rogers pitches, he can't. You can't no, lose with Jacob Degrom on the mound no. to the Marlins. No, even with Trevor Rogers pitching arguably probably the best game of his career right now. The Mets cannot lose to the Marlins and Trevor Rogers with DeGrom on the mound. The worst part was they even let him off the hook. Yeah. Like, the Mets had something going in the first inning. Nimmo had the double, I think, the first pitch of the game. Yeah, he was he was hot. He was just right yeah. off the rip. Crack. And then Lindor dropped a great bunt. He beat it out for a single. And me I, me and you both were like, oh, baby, yeah. here he comes. We were, especially after the, especially mm-hmm. after the McNeil thing, after the Conforto thing. Again, I mentioned it earlier in the episode right now, but I thought that was the moment where yeah. you, something clicked, the light bulb went off, and everybody was ready to go. Get the boys in. But clearly that's not the case. No, and then there was a weird play right after that where it was either the first or second pitch of the at-bat to Conforto yeah. where Lindor attempted to steal second base and the pitch Michael Conforto swung at. And we don't know very much about Rojas as a manager, but now that the Mets are more analytically inclined, it seems like there's going to be less stolen bases and less hit and runs too. Yeah. So we were, we were talking about whether we thought if this was actually a straight steal that Conforto may have missed a sign, if it was a called hit and run where Conforto just missed the pitch, or if Lindor just has a green light. If there was no sign given, he just felt an opportunity to, to run. And we'll never find that out. It wasn't referenced in the press conference yesterday. Which is kind of interesting that nobody asked that question. So much game happened after that that we forgot. That's true. Like three, There was three hours of hardship after that game, crawling through mud. That, that inning also kind of set the tone for the game, too. because the totally. literally, we, didn't, we didn't have a chance for five innings after that. No. It felt like we didn't even have a base runner until, the, the, until this DeGrom situation we and just then, spoke about. And then literally the next inning, Jazz, Jazz Wardo stepped up to the plate. Jazz, Jazz uh, Chisholm stepped up to the plate and crushed a 100-mile-an-hour fastball that was like 10 inches out of the zone. That was such a bomb. Up, up in the zone as well. Crushed it effortlessly. And to give Mark a stitch of credit here that I don't love to do. Pre-game, he was like, if anyone was going to get to Grom, it's going to be Jazz. Because Jazz loves sits, he loves to sit dead red. Jazz is a dead red guy, and you were talking about it too. Like He's a strikeout, walk, home run guy. Yeah, he's the which true, is, true three outcome Which player. is like super rare to find in like a middle infielder like him as well, because he's like also super fast and a really good athlete and has a decent glove. Very fun too. Fun player. We saw his rocking, chain. Rocking the chain. The chain can be seen from planes yeah. flying over City yeah. Field from LaGuardia. The thing was huge. Aguilar rocks one too. It's sick. Yeah, no, the Marlins got some a little bit of swag. Ever since that first inning, things started to go downhill. DeGrom pitched his absolute fucking heart out. He might have had his best start. Ever as a Possibly. Man. We're so numb to how good he is, but he was so good yesterday. He was sitting 100 miles an hour. Sitting. Effortlessly. He got he, he had mo- most whiffs of any of his pitches on a fastball. Yeah. That's nuts. Well, you, even from the first pitch of the game, he did Did you do the first inning fastball only he again? Went, like, it looked like it. Again, actually, it was weird in the stadium 
there was no radar gun and no pitch readings at all in City Field yesterday. So maybe that was a Degrom thing. He he doesn't want to gloat. He doesn't want to showboat. He does. I I can see Degrom totally being like, and it's not that I don't think he's even looking for it. I just think he's like, I don't want anyone to even talk about how hard I'm. Let me pitch. Let me do my thing. Let me get the job done. He did, and the Mets just couldn't get it done for him. It's, it's very hard to pick up Jacob Degrom's pitches from the stadium. Is that a slider? Was that a fastball? Like who knows? Because everything is what a minimum of ninety three, and every single guy leaves the box like. Whew. Damn, that was tough. Yeah. But yeah, he was he was zipping them in. They looked like they had a little extra life than normal. Like it, maybe it's just also I haven't seen Jacob Degrom pitch in person in the a one, year and a half. The one other like half rally that seemed like could have been a rally was when Chad Wallach led off an inning with a double. Yes. And then uh, Rogers was up there to bunt, and Wallach was dancing off second base a little bit, and James McCann McCannon him right down second base and tabbed him out. That was sick. Yeah, that's something we have not seen a Mets catcher yeah. do in a really, really long time. I tried to look it up on Savant. I couldn't find another instance of a Mets catcher picking a guy off. Just ever. five years, yeah. You had a great saying about Ramos yesterday. Ramos caught. Yes. But McCann's a catcher. Yes, 100%. He is a catcher, and... He's and he not gave a really, nice little thing right afterwards, too. Yeah, you know, he's such a huge improvement defensively. People like to dog him a little bit for his defensive metrics, but you can clearly tell that like he is getting better defensively. This is not the negative 10 outs above average catcher that we saw he's a couple also, years like, ago. in command of the game, which you like to see that from your catcher. Almost act like a quasi-quarterback in a way, where I'm I'm running the show here. Like I'm confident in everything I can do on this field. He is the quarterback of the defense. Like, yeah. As, yeah. That's, as a catcher, that is what you have to do. You have to take command of the field. You have to be you have to know everything you have to be on top of your game that's why i love the position so much was that you're involved in every single pitch while you're out there on the field and he seems to have a really good grasp of that he seems to be working really he busts his ass back there the dude's blocking jumping all over the place he's missed a few balls but the ones that he's missed have been almost impossible to catch or miss great energy too and that's the number one thing i like seeing from catchers ramos was like a dead fish back there yeah and that's nothing Against Ramos, no. that's not his personality. Hit his fourth home run of the season today. He's going to have a great season in Detroit. And I hope the best for him. Yeah. Hit, Keep hitting him. Hit 40 out yeah. there. Go ahead. Get traded to a contender. Have some fun late late summer. But you wish that more people would have stepped up for Jacob DeGrom yesterday besides James McCann. Yeah. Like, if he's... What's nice about him is if he's not going to do it offensively, he's going to bring something to you on the defensive side, and we and saw he's, that. He's been hitting a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's got a couple knocks. Yeah, he's got a couple knocks. We haven't seen the power yet, but I think that's just a thing of like still early in the season, getting into the groove of things. He's a guy who also gets like really, really hot at points, and he'll just put up like five homers in a week. Yeah. And now to transition to today, this awkward rain out, the Mets have now played five games in the first 11 days of the season. Yeah, which is, which just, is weird. It's hard to get hot like that. You're hard disjointed. To get hot, hard to get in rhythm. Timing. And maybe that's good. Maybe it's a good thing, too, because our rhythm right now is playing shit baseball. Yeah. So maybe it's good to break up the rhythm a little bit we here. We were actually lamenting yesterday, like, oh, the Mets don't have an off day this week. Oh, crap. Well, now we got one. We there got go. one. We got one. And, like, again, we brought up the excuse of the Nationals things. It's, it's over. That's done now. It's no longer an excuse. Same thing. You got your off day today. Even though you showed up to the field and you were able to, you are trying to play, you got all geared up. I think most that, of these guys also knew they weren't playing anyway. But that sucked, the way they handled that. It's this terrible. was unbelievably mismanaged by whoever put these baseball players on the field today. Yeah, whoever put them on was bad. I know you talked about it to me earlier about uh, what Rojas said during his conference. Yeah, it's like uh, the sp- a specified forecast expert. Yeah. What does that even mean? Who, who is that? And why, Do you have your own weatherman? And how is he so not right? Like, we, we're in Queens right now. We're a few miles away from the stadium. We're sitting here looking out the window in Astoria being like, oh, it's raining really hard. How are they going to play this baseball game? And then two minutes later, that's when it really started to come down and you see Stroman. Stroman's like, I'm not throwing a pitch and I don't blame him. I would not He's either. like holding his hands out. He's wiping his hand, trying to get a grip. The umpire sent 
the ball boy to get more balls, and the ball boy dropped them. Dropped which them was on kind the of funny. <laughs> and like even Lindor was complaining. Like yeah. you could see when they zoomed away from the field, you could see there was literal puddles, puddles. on the field. Can't play baseball like Can't that. Can't play baseball like that. Now we have these guys that need to be healthy, and no one should be getting hurt because of a rain delay. Like who's the? Was it Ron Culpa? Was was yeah, he the Mayor Culpa? Was he the uh, the crew chief? Mm-hmm. I don't. No, maybe if it's an umpire's thing or if it's a, something that Major League Baseball across the league is trying to do, limiting these kind of games. Because it seemed like he was doing everything in his possible power to keep that game going for as long as physically possible. And maybe it's because COVID's still looming and they don't want to have to do more makeups games than they already have to this year. But it was, that's not baseball. You can't play baseball like that. Playing baseball in the rain is miserable, it's dangerous. It's not. It's not fun. You want to talk about? It's also, not... it's also a worse product. Yes, I was like, about to say you're, you're talking going about to bad affect baseball. the game in a way that shouldn't be affected. No, it's just it shouldn't be something you have to worry about when you're out on the field. If it's cold, that's different. Rain, wet, slippery, dangerous. I also wonder how we're going to use Stroman now following up on this because with I think the Mets have seven games in seven days coming up. Yeah. So we're going to need pitchers, and I would love that. After only throwing nine pitches, he went through his entire pregame routine, which is probably taxing. He probably has a very specified workout regimen that goes based on the days he's scheduled to pitch. But I would love if we can get some innings out of Marcus Stroman before Friday. Yeah, he's, he tweeted out, what, see you in five days, Yeah, right? but the fact he said that means probably not. That means he probably doesn't want to pitch in, in the next five days, which I understand. He was also being vilified today for no reason. I didn't like that. People were vilifying him? Yeah, a lot. Over for, not wanting to pitch in the yeah, rain? Yeah, for like, like, like kind of... Showboating, walking around. Who that could that people? could be our bad take of the day. Who are these people? I don't remember the tweets I saw. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it. It'll be down here. You guys know where we put it. It will be down there somewhere. We'll just highlight all the idiots that. Because I'm happy to call you an idiot, by the way. If you have Definitely. this take, you're a moron. It's raining. The guy doesn't want to get hurt. Why would you? If you're a Mets fan, why would you want him pitching in this way? He also doesn't want to pitch. Like who pitching in the rain stinks. You can't grip anything. I don't know if you saw. I saw during the game if you were watching, but they showed like a zoom in of the mound where he was like you know pushing off, and it was it was mush. It was it was wet. It was goopy. It was nothing that you should ever be pitching in. Foul. Foul. Yes. The the field conditions were poor. And then once they put the tarp on over the wet grass and game's dirt, over. game's over. Which it's still raining right now. Yeah, it's it, it's pouring. It's been yeah. pouring all day. The yeah. like you said, the fact that they even stepped out on the field knowing Crazy. that there was no chance we were playing today. There was no way you were getting this game in. But Mark, we have the specific weather forecast expert. Uh, whoever that guy is, he should change his job title yeah. because I'd like that job. I had weather.com. I saw the radar early. Yeah, I mean like. Whatever he's doing clearly is wrong. Maybe he was watching the past instead of hitting the future on the radar. I mean, who hasn't done that? What, the past? Yeah. What's funny is like they actually do use the past, I think, more often than the future. Because the future is a predictive thing where the past is like you can follow the path or whatever it is. But if you followed the past, you'd be like, oh, it's going to clear up in like 20 minutes, which just seems like what he thought it was going to happen. Instead, it was like, no, it's the, the worst is yet to come. Four hours, five hours later, and it is still pouring. It was a... I don't want to say a perfect way, but it was like such a just way to end this series yeah. without well, think, rain out. It's been so depressing. I didn't really want to play today. I wanted to only because I needed to get that horrible taste out of my mouth from yesterday, especially being at the stadium and watching like the booze. I hated the booze. I hated the booze so much. We talked about it yeah. when we were there. Like this is just, especially because we're like, we we're kind of in the family section a little bit for the Mets yeah. and like. The worst thing I could imagine is like a little kid being there watching his like dad or something like that, and he just gets booed for like really not doing anything wrong, like just having a bad day. So I, I hated that so much. I'm all for booing if you stink for years, but <laughs> for for five games, we're getting ridiculous now. Like we're, we're sounding like Yankee fans, and I hate that. You also fear that 
this contract situation has seeped into Conforto's mind. Yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit last episode. I brought it up, I think, yeah. about do you think he's consciously trying to hit more home runs? And if like he's... Now we've seen more of it, where people have been calling him a $200 million player. I'm sure he knows who else are the free agents next year. He knows how coveted he will be with another good season. He's a Boris client. They're going to tell him how much money he could possibly get. You just, you just fear he's squeezing the bat too tight. If he plays Michael Conforto baseball, like you said, especially in that free agent market, he is going to get paid. And he's also taking the heat for a lot of other guys in the order who have not been hitting. No, I mean, like, Pete's gone ice cold. Alonzo had the two good games. He got went cold. Dom hit the home run. He's putting the ball in play, but he hasn't found a lot of holes. Nemo's been ripping the cover off the ball. Our boy guy. McNeil only yeah. has one hit into the home run. Yep. He's also been hitting the ball a little bit, but I don't know. McCann hit a little bit, not really. I think we also forget that we are like missing J.D. Davis, yeah. and J.D. Davis is going to be a big yeah. part of our offense. That's, turn, that's, that's turning out to be a bigger a bigger deal than we've realized. Because he gets on base. He has the power bat, especially against left-handed pitching. Like yeah. Yesterday, I would have loved to seen him face Trevor Rodgers yesterday. That would have been VR. such a good match. Because I'm, no offense to Jonathan VR here, I'm done watching Jonathan VR play Mets baseball already. Yeah, he takes him. Piss poor at best. He is great off the bench. I want him to be a pinch hitter. That's fine because a pinch hitter comes up there, try to put the ball in play kind of thing. And he wasn't in the lineup today. No. But watching him start the last few games is just he takes horrendous at bats. Oh there's no there's no real plan of attack, it seems like. It's, almost, it's like play. he starts every single at bat 02. Yes. And I, yeah, you did say, I think that yeah. might have been the thing I wanted you to say is that yeah, Jonathan, that VR, was Jonathan VR starts every single bat 02. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. like he just gets in a hole every time and then. Actually, I just also hate how much he tries to bunt. Like, he doesn't have the speed that he used to either anymore. But, I mean, takeaways from this series, bad baseball. Yeah. It's, I'm not I'm not worried. No. I think it's still crazy to be takeaways worried. Takeaways from this series, Castro looked good, May looked good. Diaz had one good outing, one bad outing. I don't even want to talk about his outing yesterday. It just wasn't good. It's just like... They were just hitting the ball. Yeah. They just hit him. That's yeah, it. He got hit. He got hit sometimes. It's baseball. It's going to happen. Yeah. And at Brown's least... good. Brown's amazing. amazing. Best pitcher in the world. Bar none. Not even close. I love him to death. I wish the best for him. He he's so good. The Mets do so little for him on such a regular basis. We don't deserve him. No, we do not deserve Dave, Jacob Degrom. He is the Mike Trout of pitchers, one hundred percent of just like, man, we got this like possibly one of the best of all time. At least he's won a playoff series, but um, and been to the World Series. Hey now, um, but we're we're just like we're wasting it. The fact that in starts that he makes, we have a losing record. For what is I've become so tired of these stats. I'm tired of it too. I know every single time DeGrom takes them out, his ERA over the last 40 whatever starts is 2.0 whatever. And I know we lose all the games. I know. I'm super aware of it. It's the worst. I, I can't see this anymore. Just, we're just not hitting. Baseball is like an individual team game, right? It's such a weird thing. But we're just like not playing good team baseball. Like guys are getting on. Nobody's hitting them in. People doing the little things. Guys stepping up to the plate and doing something that's going to help us. But then the next guy up kind of lets us down. There's just not a lot of like synergy i don't know if that's the right word wow startup word of the day startup word of the day yeah i gotta be using synergy but it's just like when someone's doing something right the next guy seems to come up and just kind of throw it all away like it's just not going right five games it's just five games if these five games happened in june wouldn't even notice we yeah would, we would notice well yeah we're insane other people wouldn't, wouldn't notice uh who do we got tomorrow going on the mound against chase anderson our, uh, boy. our boy chase anderson who thank god we beat when thank we pitched god. against us yeah we really looked like assholes i'll laugh in his face again today <laughs> chase even, anderson we even forgot to mention we were absolutely killing him the last time we spoke about chase anderson was he started the game for the blue jays last year and we scored 18 runs Let's hit Chase Anderson. That's you know how you get hot. You face Chase Anderson. He's he is going doubling to, down. That's how you start a hot streak. Yeah. Is you get to face Chase Anderson, who's just 
well, as we said in one of our previous episodes, a guy that we'd put on a list of people that we'd love to have an at-bat against. Yeah, he's Chase Anderson. The only thing more boring than his name is his repertoire. Yeah, and you did have that weird stat, though, about him, which yeah, is so funny about how is, different baseball is This is a pretty is funny stat to talk about the growth of baseball. Chase Anderson's career K rate is 20.4, about a full tick higher than Bob Gibson's career strikeout rate of 19.3. And you're talking about one of the best pitchers of all time. Literally, one of the most feared human beings to ever walk on a baseball field. So I think it, sh- it should line up to be Peterson, Walker, Lucchese, I think, based on our next three. And it should be Anderson, Nola, Wheeler, because Wheeler pitched, I think, Thursday night. So we got a little bit of a tough tough bit here that's why we have to come out swinging against anderson we've got to figure something out at the plate because we're coming up against two really really strong pitchers in the next few games with not our strongest guys huge shout out to espn when you look at mlb team schedules right now it brings you immediately to the second half because i was really curious on who the mets are playing on july 16th but we're lined up for peterson anderson walker nola and lucchese wheeler yeah so like on paper with four game series didn't even know that with Degrom and eflin closing it out for a noon game on thursday oh, oh yeah i think i might be going to that game on thursday actually oh, nice. me and my dad if it's nice although it's supposed to rain all week so yeah. thanks baseball gods welcome to april new york in april but i mean it's just just frustrating again you could probably tell again how we're speaking about yeah, it not that much fun not that much fun i mean being at the stadium yesterday was great it was awesome well, to be back for like an hour yeah and then the mets <laughs> We're metzing, and once it was the third inning, we were like, "Ah, shit!" You're like, "This, we're we're doing it all over again, and we have to be here for it, and I have to pay fifteen dollars for a beer. I can't just go into the refrigerator and grab one from a case that costs fifteen dollars." I think that's probably where we're gonna wrap up this episode. Quick one, maybe ish, yeah, ish I, whatever. They all seem to be about forty five minutes, yeah. which I think you guys probably enjoy. You can watch it on YouTube. Metz Up Podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to your stuff. You can find us there. Just search Metz Up Podcast. Twitter, Instagram, at Metz Up. Follow us there. We're posting a lot on Instagram. We're posting a lot on Twitter. Really good content over there if you guys want some some, fun. some extra stuff along with the podcast. And make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel as well because along with the podcast, we are going to start posting a couple bit of short clips that we can make some more videos out of to help get some more viewers in. And just, I know the YouTube analytics. I know how to work the system there. And we've been doing a really good job. So thank you guys so much for all the amazing support we've been getting. Really do mean it. About a thousand views a video and couple hundred listens every single time we put one out, which is great, especially four episodes in. Anything else to talk about here is we're wrapping it up. Ah, feeling good. We'll see you guys after the Philly series. All right. Peace out.